Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombus, we've always said our socks, underwear, and t shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombus. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. The Irish Times Inside Business Podcast, in association with EY, building a better working world. Hello and welcome to Inside Business, a podcast from the Irish Times. I'm Laura Slattery and on today's show, is the big deal an even bigger deal for Irish television? Pat Kiley, former boss of Virgin Media Television, is here to tell us about his new venture, Bigger Stage, and its virgin talent show, The Big Deal, in which contestants can opt to take the money or take a chance on making it all the way to a €50,000 prize. I'll also be asking Pat for his view on how Irish broadcasters are surviving the pandemic and what else he has his eye on at something of a frenzied time for the global screen business. Welcome to the podcast, Pat Kiley. Hi, Laura. Now, The Big Deal uh, made its debut on Virgin uh, on Saturday night. Can you start maybe by telling us about the process of getting that to air? Oh, well, in uh, some ways it seems like a lifetime ago and other ways it only seemed like the other day. But I guess in talking about the bigger stage model, our real purpose was when we launched the business was to really go out and promote Ireland as a destination and a home for world-class content. And in impressing that message to quite a number of international customers and, and opportunities, delighted that Fox were convinced with the argument and <laughs> set about working with us on using Ireland as a test market for a brand new format, which would be not untypical in other markets that formats would be tested. And brilliantly, a process ensued out of which we produced the big deal for Fox and it premiered on Virgin Media Television last Saturday night. So this is like, this is the uh, Fox Alternative Entertainment, I think the unit is called, and it's a kind of a fairly new division within Fox and unscripted Saturday night entertainment shows, weekend entertainment shows, that's their kind of area of uh, of expertise already. I think people might know them from The Masked Singer is one of their shows. Yeah, they would have produced in-house The Masked Singer for the Fox network. So Fox is one of the four major networks in the US and Fox Alternative Entertainment is their in-house studio. So Fox, as a commissioning partner, it was terrific to be working, you know, for our first commission to be with a, a US network was terrific. And the particular unit we were working with on this project was an unscripted division for whom their speciality would be, yes, studio shows, entertainment shows, light entertainment. So is the idea now that, you know, it runs on Virgin here in Ireland for a first series and then maybe the idea is also uh, replicated internationally? 
So essentially, it's a format launch, and like all launches, we you know we, we really hope it takes off, and certainly it's off to a a, a flyer. Uh, clearly, next steps would be looking at other market potential, looking at where the series could go, hopefully future series. All shows would go through that process and no better way to test a format than in the real world of a live broadcast where you can see audience reaction, you can see ratings, you can see exactly how it lands. I think it's important to say that this format was a world exclusive and what was really important is that we made a show for Irish audiences with Irish sensibilities in mind and terrific to see what's come out of that because, you know, the headlines just coming out in the last couple of days, but in terms of performance, but it it won its slot on Saturday night. So, you know, we can't ask for better than that, that at the time at which the show went out, more people watched The Big Deal than any other show on Irish TV between eight and nine last Saturday night. So so what a terrific start. But look, it, like all of these things, like all launches, like all product development, it's going to be a journey in terms of interrogating, you know, the audience behavior, understanding the minute by minute viewership patterns and all of that. Delighted to say that all signals are very, very strong. So we'd be very hopeful that you're going to see and hear a lot more about the big deal, not only locally, but hopefully internationally. Yeah, I mean, I thought this version of it for sure had a really good balance, I think, between what people know and love about talent shows, but also adding that sort of extra element. So if they maybe feel like they're over familiar with these talent shows, there was this extra um, the jeopardy element of people maybe you know, cashing out rather than continuing to the next round. And there's several different permutations that can work there and people can be disappointed or they can be pleasantly surprised. And then you have this great judging panel, which I think appeals to a whole different uh, demographics from Boy George for perhaps, a, <laughs> I, I hesitate to say the older generation, because certainly uh, he's probably, you know, somebody I remember from um, the early 80s, but also Deirdre Kane, Aston Marigold, uh, rising star uh, uh, Lyra, who I thought was great, really good to have a fresh face and not forgetting Jedward. So well, there was a great, um, there was a great kind of ingredient ingredients there and, and Vogue Williams as host. And of course, behind the scenes, you were working with people who'd worked on Iron's Got Talent. Is that right? Yeah, look, the earlier piece of what you just described there was essentially a casting exercise. And, you know, casting is one of, you know, one of the top five inputs into a big show like this. And we were delighted with the cast outcome because it was a lovely lineup. This is a very family friendly it's a very kind show. I think talent shows down through the years have moved and evolved. And this is really a new age talent show. And it is it, essentially the format puts the power in the hands of the contestants because you know there are no real losers in the show. Everyone has a chance to actually take something out of the show. So it was a absolute delight to work on as a production. There was a wonderful team in front of the camera and there was an absolutely terrific team behind the camera. And I think it really, that that to me is really, you know, it was a, a very instant verification of our model because I have to say it was one of the proudest moments in my career standing in the three arena with over 150 people at, through the summer, a lot of whom were on their first gig in 18 months uh, you know, disemployed significant number of people. And because of the scale of production, it was um, it really required a top team. And we were delighted to be able to pull together, I would say 95, 98% of the team working on that show were Irish professionals, talent 
sourced within Ireland locally, which was terrific. And yes, we worked on, we, we, we collaborated with quite a number of other parties and indeed a number of people who would have worked on similar shows. I don't think anybody worked on a show of this scale because on a per hour budget and in the context of the size of the stage that we used in the three arena, I think the, the feedback was certainly that this was arguably one of the biggest entertainment shows produced in Ireland um, in quite a while. Yeah, no, I know it was mentioned at the top of the show just what a rough time it's been for uh, live entertainment uh, performers. And I think there is a genuine sense of gratitude at every single opportunity that comes up at this point that seemed to be uh, in evidence there, you know, people and people trying things for the first time as well, which is great to see within the confines of a show like this. It's great. Totally, totally. It was, look, you know, I said earlier, it feels like a lifetime ago. We were in the middle of some of the toughest restrictions. So there was daily testing for, for, for all the, 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 the main participants. There was audience had to wear masks there was a whole load of protocol so we were we were as pleased with our ability to get through the project in as you know and to come out of it with as as such a such a a, a delivery in terms of compliance and managing the health and safety because that came first we were acutely aware we were in the middle of the pandemic so you know coming out of it and and, and making sure that health and safety came first for all participants but also feeling that we were doing our little part in getting this particular part of the industry back on its feet was was terrific. It was also great to see you know my our creative director at Bigger Stage, Sean O'Reardon, is is a is a temporary man who's come back after 15 years in London. So it was it was wonderful to see uh Sean as executive producer working with Shane Byrne, kind of running the show. Uh, and, and just bring into life and orchestrating the coming together of such terrific talent, as I say, both sides of the camera. But also the other parts of our business, uh, Jane Russell, who runs the talent side of Bigger Stage, managed that that big cast, with, which was coming from various different parts of the world and with lots of, of requirements to get them in and out. And, and I must say the whole talent side and the talent management side was terrific. And brilliantly on the partnership side of our business, which Jamie Mackin runs, Jamie delivered two terrific deals with with commercial partners so little we announced Littlewoods last week as the show sponsor and that was terrific and we did some really innovative work with Dyson as the product placement partner they were our tech partner so they were it was lovely to see in many ways the whole model of bigger stage come to life in that one show yeah, so you mentioned uh, some of your partners there. Um, in fact, uh, your three main partners in Bigger Stage. So just to just rewind, I suppose, to the origins of the company. When the pandemic started, you were um, still in situ at, at Virgin Media Television, of course, the former TV3 group, um, which you have, were at since its inception in, I think, uh, 98. And you were thinking about leaving and then the pandemic happened and you ended up staying on a little bit longer than expected. But did you already at that time have what became Bigger Stage um, in your mind as what you wanted to do next? Very much so. I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to bore you on, you know, a whole lot of talk about purpose and mission. But after 22 years out in Ballymount, you know, I think it was time for me to, to really you know, jump into something that I, you know, passionately felt was an opportunity, not only for me, but also for, you know, my partners, but also for, you know, the industry and for Ireland. You know, I think without being too grandiose on this, I think there is a terrific opportunity for Ireland Inc. to uh, to grow and develop and create quality jobs and do, do you know, play on 
funnily enough, a much bigger stage and hence the brand. The brand came, I broke the rule that I, my training would have told me that you shouldn't do, which is, you know, I took my purpose and turned it into the brand. But the purpose that we built the business on was empowering Irish talent to play in a bigger stage. And I guess because of my background in television, I saw that there was an opportunity beyond local broadcasting for Ireland to play in the international television world. There are two brilliant broadcasters in Ireland who punch way above their weight, deliver extraordinary numbers. You know, still over 40%, I'd say, of viewing is goes to the two Irish, the two main Irish broadcasters. But if you think about what happens in television across the world, there are hundreds, arguably thousands of customers out there all looking for world-class content. And I think that was the basis of putting the business together. But it had a twist, as, as you mentioned, and that was that, the, to me, putting together great content was always about great people and talent and also cracking innovative ways of funding content. So the, the, the funding and partnerships pillar and the talent pillar felt like a very obvious way of complementing a content pillar. So, But the, the, at the heart of the business, Bigger Stage is about... You know, our mission is, we say, is to create, find and fund. So it's to create terrific content, find great ideas and develop great ideas that become exportable, IPable, you know, really develop the value of the business in terms of creation and then fund that content and find ways of funding. And I think the Fox example is a, is a good example of how you can have world-class content being produced in Ireland with big budgets and big scale and there are funding opportunities outside of the country whilst we set about trying to work out what the internal funding we've a real challenge in working out how how this industry funds itself going forward and the media commission is doing a wonderful job and I'm, and I'm sure will deliver a terrific outcome in terms of its recommendations uh, but I think this is a little twist on that as well is that there's also you know, that's that's an inward looking fix to an industry. I think we're looking outside the market to see what other ways we can supplement the funding of, of production in Ireland by bringing in big partners like Fox. Yeah. So are there any other partners that you can sort of uh, let us know about at this point? Or you're, are you working with anyone else from the US, UK, around the world? Well, look, it's early days still for us. We were, we were, we were a little bit busy over the last few months, as you can imagine. And, you know, things have accelerated really quickly and we've developed, uh, you know, this great momentum behind the business. And I think there's huge interest. I was thrilled when I saw the amount of international pickup press wise. We were in variety. We were in deadline. We were, you know, all the major, major, uh, publications. So look, there's certainly great interest in what we're doing, but we're keeping our feet on the ground and we think there's a bit of work to be done in developing, you know, we're really keen to work with the, you know, the Irish broadcasters and other producers in Ireland. You know, there are terrific companies doing wonderful work in Ireland at the moment, as I say, punching way above their weight. And I think from from our perspective, I think we've we continue. I think there's still a lot of development work we need, we we need to to set about in terms of creating the right environment to attract the rate of growth that we can bring in. We have a number of live projects and very a very good pipeline coming through. Boringly at this point, I'm not in a position to be specific. I'm sorry, but we have some really exciting stuff coming through. But in parallel, we are keen to do all we can to really develop. I think both the infrastructure in Ireland and see what we can do to encourage that in terms of development of, of studios. There's huge developments in, in, in the pipeline and we're keen for those to come through and come through quickly. There is a log jam in studios, largely because of the, uh, the demand for studio space for drama and scripted work. So, you know, that's something that I think we're keen to see continue to develop because the ambition certainly requires the development of interest 
structure to stay at the pace at which I think we can grow the amount of business that can come into the market. And and I think also in parallel to that, there's the you know local incentivization as to what can be done on that front. The, the AV sector, as I've said already, I think presents a huge opportunity. I think the big deal is a good example where you can, I think we can absolutely power out of the pandemic and really have, you know, this sector could be a real driver of recovery for us in, in, in you know, in terms of the Irish market. I think it will require a modernization of the local incentives because a lot of those incentives like Section 8481 were written at a time when our model didn't exist. And the notion that you could, you know, move big entertainment content pieces into other markets would have been just a pipe dream. Now it's happening and it's real. And I think we're already in discussions as to how, you know, we could encourage government to consider a modernization of those incentives. Section 481 is accessible and for to to for drama projects for animation and more recently for gaming it's not currently an incentive that's uh accessible that unscripted production is eligible for so we're very keen to see how we could modernize that as a scheme or modernize the incentives out there it's an evolving sector there's terrific opportunities i think we've already demonstrated and um, because the big deal was a production that didn't have one single cent of tax break or incentive and yet um, Fox were saw enough about Ireland that attracted them into the market. So our view, quite simply, is imagine the the business we could start bringing and the momentum we could create if there was a layer of incentivization on top of the obvious selling points of Ireland in terms of English speaking skills, sophistication, cultural alignment. You know, we talked about format development. There is no better market than Ireland to test. English speaking content, considering how culturally we are aligned to the two biggest markets for production, which is the UK and the US. Yeah, I mean, that section 481 tax credit, I mean, that would make a huge difference. I mean, it's it's sort of almost, you know, hugely depended upon by scripted uh, shows, drama, creative documentary and so on. And uh, Green Ireland, is, of course, is, is because, has become a more of a funder in the television market. But again, its focus is on scripted drama and uh, then you're sort of left with I suppose the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland Sound and Vision Fund but they have various criteria so just when and sort of how would you like to see reform on that side of of public funding? Well I, I think it's a bit of chicken and egg we're not looking for any handouts or any breaks or any freebies we're we're we really just want to highlight the opportunity and I think it's an FDI opportunity. I think it's clearly in one case in point, we have one customer who is minded to put more work our way. And I mean, by our, I say Ireland, you know, this is about an opportunity for Ireland. It's an opportunity for bigger stage, but it's also an opportunity for lots of other businesses like bigger stage to work with incoming FDI partners who could pile content you know content investment into this market deliver from our perspective what would be you know a number of outcomes clearly an economic dividend and that's about high quality jobs by the way long-term jobs because i think in this sector if you can if you can put four or five projects back to back then you can employ teams full-time and you move from a gig economy to a you know, a more permanent employment base. And I think there are hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands of jobs that can be created on a permanent basis in this industry with the right sort of incentivization. 
important to say, I think there could be significant, you know, the, the basis of the Section 481 is, you know, had typically or traditionally been a cultural dividend. But, you know, from our perspective, the cultural dividend on, on work in this area is the skills and the talents and, you know, the extraordinary work I saw out in uh, the Three Arena during the, the recording of the of the big deal. Those skills and talent are no less of a skill or a talent than would be working on a scripted show or on animation or on games development. So, you know, I would say we really need to just think about that and the opportunity to promote skill, camera, talents, lighting directors, directors, all those key talents that go into making world-class TV, those skills have to be of a caliber that work on a global stage. It's not about just delivering a kind of a low level, just acceptable level of quality. And because of that standard, it's an extraordinary skill that's required. And developing those skills, they are really the opportunity for Ireland to, to be top of the pile in terms of a market and a destination to tap into those skills. And, and the, the, the other point we would make in terms of why this is the modernization of a scheme like 481 or introducing some equivalent in centralization is also the regional opportunity. We have no doubt we'll be taking shows outside of Dublin into other markets. You know, we've seen Ashford, you know, being the home of Valhalla. You see, you know, Titanic Studios up in Belfast being the home of of Game of Thrones, you know, across the island of Ireland, I think there's opportunities for productions to move out into into regions. And I think that's an important argument with regard to how, you know, further incentivization should be considered to encourage and promote the FDI opportunity here. Okay, great. Uh, coming up after the break, I'll be asking Pat, what's next on the international television stage and whether the current boom can last? At EY, our purpose is to build a better working world. As one of Ireland's leading professional services firms, our exceptional people are at the centre of everything we do. We deploy technology at speed and innovation at scale to deliver exceptional solutions for our clients, enabling them to transform and grow. To find out more, visit ey.com. So all the Irish broadcasters, Virgin, RTE and TG Cahir, they recently had their autumn season launch events, uh, which they always do at this time of year. And they're trying to promote their shows. They're communicating with advertisers, as you know well. But, you know, now that you're not in that broadcaster role yourself, you know, did you, what did you make of what you saw? Did you have a view of sort of, you know, how are, are Irish broadcasters emerging from COVID? I guess, Laura, I can't help but continue to be impressed by what I'm seeing from the outside in and probably even more appreciative of how well the Irish broadcasters do in the context of providing quality content for Irish viewers on the economies and scale of the Irish market. And I think it's a it's a real credit. And I know I was you know, part of it for quite a long time. But I think you need to go probably go outside and look back in to really appreciate it. I would have, you know, we would have heard it. You know, we got a lot of positive feedback when international partners would come and visit Ireland and see what we were doing out at Virgin Media Television or what the guys are doing out in, out in, at, at RTE. But I, I think it's a credit to all Irish broadcasters. And I think the numbers speak for themselves in a market that has hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of channels beaming into the country from far-flung destinations and, and a huge market right next door that overspills arguably the the leader in television production 
for Irish TV channels to still command, you know, in effect, the majority share of viewing on, on Irish TV is extraordinary. I, th- I think I, through the pandemic, because I was, I guess, transitioning at the time, it, there was a real reminder that of the real need for local content and relevant content. And I think relevance doesn't necessarily have to be local. So I think I definitely observed the dual mandate for broadcasters, which is provide local news and information. And boy, was the pandemic a time when we all needed that, but also providing some entertainment and switch off and being in a position. So normal people was probably your classic example where you didn't have to talk about the t- pandemic, but you were providing content that was just, you know, really, you know, good quality, world-class drama that everybody could just fall into. But then you go out the other end and you look at something like The Masked Singer, which was, you know, I guess probably a surprise hit from people's perspective coming in. But you get something like that, which, again, was a real switch off. Um, and, and again, a, an exciting kind of new show that, you know, was a real family watch. I think what television has shown is when we were all sat around our living rooms with a, you know, a bigger gang than we would normally, <laughs> the TV was a wonderful source of, of, of comfort and entertainment. I, I guess coming out of the pandemic, interesting to watch the autumn schedules un, unfold. Definitely a recurring theme around partnerships and collaborations. I think that definitely seems to be high, um, you know, certainly in terms of my old colleagues out at Virgin Media Television. So great to see some of the developments coming through there from, you know, the drama collaborations right through to sports collaborations. Wonderful to see, having kind of talked about it down through the years, OTE and Virgin Media Television collaborating on Six Nations. I thought that was a terrific step in the right direction for, for you know, Irish broadcasting. Uh, great to see some of the dramas coming through. Again, it informs the bigger stage model that, I think the days of drama and big entertainment shows being wholly funded by Irish broadcasters are gone. I think big content investments now require multi-layered, you know, they're almost like movies in terms of movie funding. So terrific to see ITV working with Virgin Media Television on Redemption and Graham Norton's Holding. You know, they're, I think they're the big Virgin Media Television kind of dramas and it took a great kick out of seeing generation dating coming through Virgin Media Television because A, in the bigger stage world, lovely to see a, an Irish created format. I love the backstory to that, which was somebody within Virgin Media Television coming up with that idea. So, you know, showing Ala the bigger stage model that there's, you know, there's ideas out there in Ireland to be developed for the international market. And great to see VMTV working with A&E on that. And then looking forward next Sunday to Ken, the big RT drama because some of it was shot in my locality so I couldn't help but notice it and you know I Peter McKenna like a real force uh, behind that show and lovely to see RT. It's actually really interesting Peter McKenna he's sort of writing I think two of the RTE dramas that are on this season and of course he created um, Red Rock for, for Virgin slash TV3. That's so right. Kind That's of right. was in demand perhaps as a result of um, previous TV3. Exactly. Look, <laughs> he, he was, he was, he came with a terrific kind of backstory into the creation of Red Rock, which became, I think at the time, one of the most successful exports in the history of Irish television, showing up on the BBC, no less, um, and, uh, and further afield. But, yeah, look, Ken, Ken, my understanding on Ken, it's a it's a co-production with AMC and, and via play out of Scandinavia. So another good example where you bring together a number of parties to co-fund 
brilliant content that can be then produced in Ireland. So, so I guess, look, it's, it's really looking forward to a winter of great content. There's a, it, it, terrific to see the amount of investment coming through, but great to see how all the broadcasters are future-proofing their models and future-proofing those investments by the collaboration type models we talked about, but also the multimedia impact of it, the, the both the RT player and the Virgin Media player playing big, a big and increasingly big part in how they're distributing their content. So, you know, the lines have really blurred now between broadcasters and you know, on-demand players and the various kind of streamers. So I think those blurred lines will increasingly blur. And I think you'll see that that will all go back to the the age-old cliche that content is king. Getting the content right is how where everything will start. And the collaborations and the partnerships between streamers and broadcasters and making great content will continue apace. So just on RTE, because I mean, I suppose some people might have expected that the big deal would be shown on Virgin because of your um, relationships um, with with Virgin. But do you kind did you pitch it to RTE as well, or you were you were sort of trying to gauge their interest in it as well? No, well, look, I, I, you, I, all programming, commissioning, buying, selling is all as you can imagine entirely, you know, you know, commercial process and <laughs> confidential process. So. So look, I, I, all these processes are guided by you know what's what's right for the show, what's right for the broadcaster, and typically that's how shows end up on certain broadcasters on certain times, certain times in certain ways. So look, that that wouldn't be something I'd, I I would be in a position to discuss. What I would say is, as a business and considering our model, we're in discussions with all broadcasters in Ireland and having really positive discussions about developing content, and I think those conversations naturally police themselves based on the immediate needs or current needs or ongoing needs of any particular broadcasters and the various content opportunities that present themselves. I would say there's an increasing consistency between, you know, and a growing consistency between, you know, how Irish broadcasters are viewing the future. And I think that's wonderful because I think we can show up in that conversation. Yeah, no, I thought it was interesting as well that RTE has a kind of a talent show coming up that also has a bit of a game show element. And I guess that's a reflection of a kind of an international trend, really, where people are looking at what are the next formats, what what can keep viewers' interest going. Um, They're familiar with X Factor. They've moved on, as you say, from perhaps the sort of crueler elements of that. They want something more in the vein of of what you're doing now, Um, but, but also a little bit of novelty as well. Look, I'd I, I, I go back to my probably my old jobs, and, and I would say competition is is good. Competition raises the bar, and there's a there's huge competition internationally on getting the next great format. I talked about the Mass Singer earlier. Everyone's kind of wondering what is the next you know light entertainment format that will be the new Mass Singer. What's wonderful is to see that Ireland can play a part in that dynamic. So to have two shows launching in Ireland that are potentially headed towards the international market because I know with Shinna Will and the guys in, t- in developing the RT talent show, I know there's, there's, it's a, it's a, that's a, a local idea and a local format. So we would love to see that grow and develop in the way that it, that it, it hopefully will. And there's room for, as I said earlier, you know, a whole load more of that type of development. And for Ireland to become in a way that other markets have become notorious, the Scandies for drama, Israel for formats, South Korea for formats. I think 
here's a real opportunity for Ireland to start developing a reputation in this space in the way I guess we already have done so brilliantly in film and in animation. I think I, I think it's I think it's great to see two two big formats in prime time both emanating locally and hopefully we'll all look back and say, you know, when those shows are into their fifth or sixth series and broadcasting globally, we'll we'll all remember where they started. I'm just wondering now if you have a kind of a, a, an opinion on where, you know, viewership will go across the Irish TV industry over the next 12 months, because, you know, there was a bit of a, a boost last year in effect from people being um, stuck at home during lockdown. It was really good news for uh, linear uh, channels and especially sort of the big entertainment shows, the big dramas, lots of people wanting some distraction from the, the, the current uh, crisis that was happening. Um, but some some sort of almost like diehard TV fans are kind of telling me now that they're a little bit sick of television and they, they want to almost do anything apart from be on, on, on the couch. Is there kind of a, a maybe a risk that, you know, as a nation, we kind of collectively get up and go out and, 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 and turn the TV off for uh, for a few months? Look, there's no doubt there might be a little bit of a surge, but to be honest, in the middle of the heat wave, when we were all allowed to go out, TV audiences remain quite strong. It, it's it's very hard to have a generic view on, on, on this as a dynamic, isn't it? You know, I think it all gets back to core consumer and, dare I say, human behaviour. We all crave entertainment. We all crave insights and information. We all crave the shared experience. Nothing nicer than thinking during the day that later on you're going to be crashed on the couch with your nearest and dearest watching the next episode of that great piece of content. You know, we've just called out Kin, Redemption, Holding. They will all be staples this autumn in as much as, you know, the mayor of Easttown would be or or um, various other kind of streamer uh, dramas. I, look, the numbers don't lie and the numbers show that you know, TV viewing and live TV viewing is is holding up. The split between live and time shifted definitely is 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 evolving and 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 changing. And that's that goes without saying. I was looking at some numbers recently in the UK where the percentage of the total consolidated viewership to an ITV show now is increasingly headed towards thirty, thirty five percent, forty percent sometimes of it being consumed time shifted. And that's terrific because at this was a point we would have made previously that. It's all about the content and the wrong way to look at broadcasting is, are people watching it live? The right way to look at broadcasting is, are broadcasters making terrific content that they're now making available in all the ways that new viewership patterns require? And the answer to that is a very firm yes. I know so many people who told me they watched The Big Deal on Sunday or on Monday night. So the reality is, you know, the wrong lens through which other vested interests might look through look at television is through the live barometer but even at that it's it's strong look you know last night we had the um republic of ireland serbia match like you know you couldn't see anything else on twitter but 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 that and that was people watching live television so live news live sport all of that content remains you know remains at the heart of kind of what local broadcasters are doing and that will mean they will you know remain you know, top of the pile in terms of viewership. And I think they can use that then to kind of cross promote big drama, big shows and and work on those with, with partners. I, I would say, you know, the industry is in very good shape. I think, yes, it'll be very, you know, I think the macroeconomics and the macro behaviours post-pandemic, we all need to need to watch. But I certainly don't foresee in the short to middle term, you know, 
the, the insatiable appetite for great content changing in any dramatic way. Yeah, well, I mean, certainly um, the sort of people um, in charge of the finances at the big streamers, Netflix, uh, Disney, Amazon Prime, all the rest, um, they don't seem to have any lack of confidence about whether or not uh, there there's demand there for their uh, product. So it's actually interesting to see Netflix do a lot more unscripted shows in, in recent times and sort of signal that that's a road that they want to go down even more. Where do you see um, their sort of, as you say, at the macro level, the huge sums that are being spent at the moment in the global industry, you know, w- will that continue? <laughs> They're eye-watering, aren't they? I think Netflix spent 20 billion, I think, on content in 2020, I think, if the number is right. Does it, the industry is worth, in terms of production and licensing of content, well over 100 billion. It's They're eye-watering numbers, but... To be honest, the consumption is eye-watering. The stickiness of subscription is eye-watering. Um, so, look, I wouldn't lay claim to having the foresight of exactly what's going to happen next for a Netflix or an Amazon Prime. I wish I did because maybe I'd, uh, you know, that, 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 that could be a very lucrative insight to have. I, I think you've got smart folk in those businesses and smart insights. And I think it is encouraging to see that the investment continues. I think clearly... It, it will evolve and reshape. You know, you can see the streamers are now, you know, starting to look at live and is that something they need to kind of look at, starting to look at sport. So I think the the, the dynamics will change, but, uh, you know, I've said it already, I don't see any signals that suggest there's going to be any dramatic change or uh, turn of events in the in the window that certainly we would be looking at as, as, as a business. The reality is, is that if the model, if people are now increasingly prepared to pay for subscriptions and stay with those subscriptions, that's ultimately the proof point. Can everybody, will everybody continue to subscribe to all platforms and all TV subscription services? Clearly not. So the natural outcome of that will be perhaps some consolidation, some selectivity, you know, some aggregation. And that'll be very interesting to watch. Yeah, no, that's great. No, thanks very much. That's kind of really all I wanted to ask you today, Pat. But I mean, I suppose just, just finally... Um, I'm curious as to whether you've had any time um, over the last 18 months yourself to watch any television, because <laughs> setting up a new business is obviously, you know, it's a it's a it's a big deal. No, no pun intended. Mm. Um, uh, have you had you have you had a chance to sort of sit back and enjoy, you know, uh, something in a relaxed way? I you know what I I I did and I made sure I took time out, um, particularly with family to to you know, to have those switch off moments. I, I have to say through and coming out of the pandemic, I think, you know, the news and current affairs output of RT and Virgin Media Television was just terrific. And then those big moments where the nation really needed to come together. Uh, outside of that, sport is sport and music is really important to me. So I did kind of, as in as far as I could, artificially recreate those missed opportunities of being at matches. I have to say I was one of those who watched Premier League football with the artificial crowd noises and, you know... Me too, much better. Yeah, rather than not, I think I kind of needed that. And look, I guess I I definitely saw value in my Netflix and Amazon Prime subscriptions, I have to say. Um, Any particular highlights? I have to say Mayor of Easttown was a particular highlight. I love that. Like lots of of great, great shows, I have to say. But a bit of retro as well, a little bit of going back and, little, you know, it was curious to, to notice how much, 
how much archive TV I watched. So definitely lots of old school TV via the the streaming services, which they see as a big part of their their catalogue now. But uh, yeah, it's I think like the rest of the nation, I think the uh, the box in the corner of the room played a big part in getting us all getting us all through the pandemic. So hopefully not a bad sign for future opportunities for us all. On that comforting note, that's it for this week's Inside Business. My thanks again to Pat Kiley, Chief Executive and Founder of Bigger Stage. Just a quick reminder, you can get the latest business news straight to your inbox by signing up to our Business Today email on irishtimes.com. Today's podcast was produced by Declan Conlon. We'll be back next Wednesday. Thanks for listening. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.